Welcome to Dinger Derby, the only podcast completely devoted to Texas Tech baseball. Join your host, Keith Patrick, every week for team news, guests, ranking updates, and game reports from opening weekend all the way through Omaha. We'll be hitting taters with the Red Raiders all season long. This is Dinger Derby. Welcome into the Dinger Derby podcast, the only podcast devoted 100% to Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. I'm your host, Keith Patrick, and the Red Raiders went out to Dick Hauser Stadium in Tallahassee, Florida, and they got themselves a weekend sweep, beating the Florida Atlantic Owls 7-1 to Friday night, and then taking down the Florida State Seminoles Saturday and Sunday. It was a great weekend of baseball. You couldn't have asked for more competitive, high-level, top-10 baseball than you got on Saturday and Sunday from both of these teams. The pitching was outstanding. There were big Big hits and big moments for both sides, and it was just a lot of fun to watch. Very nerve-wracking. It was it was postseason atmosphere out there in a big-time program and a big-time stadium in the ACC. I'm going to run through this weekend for you, go game by game, give you a little bit of a recap. We'll look ahead to the running Rebels of UNLV and do some awards as well. I'm going to get through it as quickly as I can to respect your time. I sure do appreciate all of you for supporting Dinger Derby, and let's dive right in. So it's Clayton Beater who gets the start on Friday night for the Red Raiders. Beater, I think, had the best starting outing of the weekend. Now, he was starting against FAU, and I do understand that. But anybody that goes out and with five innings pitched, he no-hits him through five. One run, it's not earned. No walks and seven Ks. He did all that in 81 pitches. Beater actually had perfect baseball going through four. He retired the Florida Atlantic Owls in order four innings in a row. Three up, three down for four innings. It wasn't until the second batter of the fifth inning when the wheels absolutely fell off for Tech. It was one of those pack your bags and walk out of here I just quit baseball forever. There were three errors in a row, back to back to back. An E7 put the second batter of the fifth inning on base. An E3 puts the next batter on as folks start coming around. An E5 puts the following batter on. There's an RBI there as he scores the first error landing batter. And then the second one is thrown out at the plate from right field into the catcher. That was Drew Baker just hosing him down there uh, to save things, get the second out, and then you have a ground out to end the inning. Really frustrating to watch. On top of that, after Jace Young's error, he's rolling around looking like he's hurt. You don't see him on Saturday until very late in the game. You know you have Parker Kelly behind him. Of course you want the young man to be okay if he was injured, but I think that what you have there is the depth that makes you feel okay when things like that happen, and that's what's so great about this team. I've told several of you in person as we've talked, I think Texas Tech could field two top 25 teams out of this roster easily. It's incredible the amount of talent that's on this roster that you can work in and out of games. Jacob Brostowski came in in relief of Beater. He had two innings of scoreless baseball as well. He had one walk and two Ks in his 24 pitches. You end up seeing Brostowski again on Sunday. John McMillan had an inning pitch there of only 20 pitches. It was a nice job by him. He had three Ks in his inning as well. You do see McMillan again in a big way on Saturday. And Andrew Devine had an inning to close it out for the Red Raiders on Friday. And he also had a huge huge inning for Texas Tech on Sunday. Brostowski actually gets the win as Texas Tech didn't score their first run until the fifth and didn't put it away until later as he was pitching. So a win for Jacob Brostowski. He's 1-0 and on the season. 
Otherwise, it was a fairly unremarkable game for Texas Tech. You didn't score through four. It wasn't till the fifth that you finally get a run across, and then it ties up in the bottom of the fifth. Finally, Tech gets the go-ahead run in the seventh, and then tacks on five more after. So it was a little tighter than you expected. You thought that Tech could probably play this team a little bit tougher than that, but you find a way to win on the road. And and on something else I was talking about with some friends, this is your first true road test. You went to Round Rock, but it was a very friendly environment, tech-heavy crowds out there, um, and you're going within the state, you know, which isn't a huge road trip for anybody that's lived around Texas. Going to Florida is a much bigger situation. You have a lot of things to figure out about how you're going to travel and what the nuances and the, the schedule and all that of travel is. So it was a, a pretty good showing, I think, for the Red Raiders. It was a little light at the plate. Drew Baker did lead off with a double in the game, but there was really nothing doing. Several drawn walks. Cole Stilwell had back-to-back walks in the first and third. Kyle Conley drew a walk as well. Braxton Fulford wore one. I mean, he had guys getting on base, but just couldn't get anything done at the plate to hit him around. The first run came after Dylan Carter led off in the fifth inning with a single to right field, and Brian Klein brings him around on an RBI double to left. Things really opened up in the eighth. Nate Rombach, the second batter of the inning after Cole Stilwell flies out. He hits one down the left field line. It's a single. And then Cody Masters pinch runs for him. That'll matter in a second. Dylan Noisy comes in with a single of his own. And then it's Parker Kelly at that point in the eighth who has an RBI single as well, then followed by an RBI single from Braxton Fulford. In the ninth, you have two more. Cole Stilwell, again, he's the second batter of the inning. He gets hit by a pitch. Cody Masters comes up and hits a two-run shot over the right field monster at Dickhauser Stadium there to put the Red Raiders up at their final score of 7-1. to They out-hit the Owls 12-2 to on the evening. Of course, Tech had those three ugly errors. You hate seeing that, especially back-to-back-to-back. But they pulled it back together, picked each other up, and got it done. And that's what really matters in that one. So Saturday, it's a night game. You're televised at this point on ACC Network Extra, as the Sunday game was as well. And the competition changes a little bit. So Bryce Bonin gets the start for the Red Raiders on Saturday against the Seminoles. The attendance was officially listed at 54-43, so a big crowd there. It's actually Mike Martin Field at Dickhauser Stadium. Mike Martin, of course, the legendary coach there that just retired. Mike Martin Jr., his son, has taken over now at this point. This was a game of just pure hard nose, great starting pitching baseball. Bryce Bonin comes in, starts this thing off for you. He goes four innings pitch, seven hits, four runs, three of them earn, three walks and seven Ks. Bonin goes 104 pitches across those four innings, and, and he had to battle. I mean, he struggled a little bit. It wasn't his best outing. I know that he would say that as well. He did retire the first inning in order, but the second inning, things got a lot more difficult for him. The second batter of the inning led off with a double to right field. He had the first run scratched across in that inning. There were some web gems uh, in there that kind of saved some things, and and Bonin just wasn't able to get into a great groove. Got to talk about the final out of the second inning. It got a little bit overshadowed by some other shenanigans, but Brian Klein goes to the shortstop side of second behind the bag, fields that ball ranging to his right, and does the jump throw back to Stillwell. One hops it to him. Stillwell with a great stretch to get a hold of that ball in time for the out. So you, I put two stars in my book, one for each of them. It was a really fantastic play. Jamie Lint in the pregame talked about that may be the best defensive play we've seen from this team all season. I find it hard to argue. It was a really, really nice play 
by both Brian Klein and Cole Stillwell. There were definitely some shenanigans going on across that game. The teams were chirping at each other. Lots of chatter coming out of the Florida State dugout towards Texas Tech's dugout and towards batters. Their pitchers had a lot to say to Texas Tech batters. You know, you started to wonder how chippy it was going to get because there was a lot of chirping going on there at that ballpark. There's also the remnants of an old heckling group still there at Dickhauser Stadium, much like the Tech Hecklers. I would say Tech's a little bit more established and continuing on this group, kind of not in its heyday anymore. But there were plenty of comments about them on social media and what folks were hearing from them. And uh, it was, in my mind, a little bit obnoxious, not really the kind of heckling that you like to see. Lots of lots of goofy little chants and things like that. But anyway, that was a lot of what you heard out there And then also, they had a sideline guy on the broadcast, only on Saturday, not on Sunday. And he started talking about that they had noticed in the dugout of Florida State that Bryce Bonin was going to his hat, in his words, every eight or nine pitches. Whenever he got a new ball, he was going to his hat. And so, finally, Mark Martin Jr., they said he's held on to this for a couple innings, not sure what to do. No, he held on to it for a couple innings until Bonin was on the ropes or in a groove or there was a big situation and he could come out and disrupt him. And that's exactly what he did. Mike Martin Jr. comes out, has the umpires go check Bonin's hat and glove, looking for pine tar. Of course, Tim Tadlock comes out there because that's ridiculous. That never happens in college baseball. There's no reason for Bryce Bonin to be using pine tar, certainly at this level or in general. He's got the stuff he needs to take care of these guys. So lots of hate on social media for that. Bonin was interviewed by Jamie Lint for the pregame show on Sunday, and he echoed what my sentiments were as well on Twitter. It's Bush League. I mean, that's absolutely a ridiculous way to play baseball. It's pure gamesmanship. Meet Martin came out. He disrupted the game. Bonin had two outs. He was kind of finding a groove. He disrupted him, got him out of his rhythm, and was doing everything he could to play the game. I get it. Everybody has their ways of doing that. What I love about Tim Tadlock and company is they're going to do that on the field. They're going to do that with actual play and not with some sort of silly shenanigans coming out of the dugout and trying to affect the game as a coach that way. So no love lost now between Texas Tech fans and Mike Martin Jr. I'm sure that will not be forgotten anytime soon. And I also would say I think it's probably time that Florida State comes and plays in Lubbock. You know, they've done Coach Tadlock a favor a couple of times. 2016 was a favor. We had a cancellation. It was good for both teams' RPIs. Tech went out there and split that midweek with Florida State, and it really set them on course for the College World Series after that. This was a favor as well. Coach Tadlock had somebody cancel on him. He talked about this in his radio show last week. That somebody canceled, he called them out there through their channels, they all talked about it, and Tech came out and jumped in on a series that was already existing with Florida Atlantic. So I appreciate that they're willing to do those kinds of things, but hey, let's turn around and come out to Lubbock. I bet you that the atmosphere would be pretty rowdy if you came out to old Dan Law Field at Rip Griffin Park to play at Texas Tech. So back to the game as far as pitchers go. I talked to you about Bryce Bonin. Eli Reekman came in for an inning in relief for Tech. Looked really good in his the 14 pitches he threw. One hit, no runs, walks, or Ks. Micah Dallas did your most relief work. He was three and two-thirds. Had a really good night on the bump for Texas Tech. No hits. He gave up one run, no walks. He had five Ks in his 69 pitches. The broadcaster kept talking about the pitch count on Micah Dallas like he had never gone deep in a game before. I mean, I, he, I know he was looking at this year's stats, but Micah Dallas obviously could handle 69 pitches. And John McMillan comes in in one of the biggest outings 
at least it felt like one of the biggest outings that we've ever seen for him, certainly as a closer. Two and a third innings pitched, one hit, no runs, one walk, seven Ks in 59 pitches of just grown-up, grown-man baseball. And Coach Tadlock talked about John McMillan in that pregame with Jamie Lynn as well. And he said, it's just like watching a guy that, that you know is beyond this level at this point. You know, John McMillan could be out there playing high A ball and vying for an opportunity to go close in the major leagues at this point. He's got the stuff. He's got the mentality. And I put out a little tweet about him, and I really meant what I said. You know, we've watched John McMillan grow up in a Red Raider uniform. You know, we've seen him for four years now, and now he's a senior leader on this team. He's got a great mentality. He really does pick up guys and and encourage young pitchers. I've heard that from them, you know, about how much he's doing to – to encourage and help and share the lessons he's learned. And he's a guy that we've really seen come into his own as well. And he has his own ambitions and the things he wants to do. And he's still here at Texas Tech battling to make this the biggest year that Texas Tech baseball's ever had. And you certainly showed it that night against Florida State. And it was... It was something to behold. I, I hope you got to watch that game and see John McMillan not just earn a save. He earned the win in that game. He's 1-0 now on the season. Unbelievable what he did to show off his stuff and to get it done for Texas Tech. At the plate for the Red Raiders throughout the night, Dylan Noisy, he has a double second at bat of the game for the Red Raiders. He does come around to score on a Cole Stillwell RBI double. So you have a couple of extra base hits in the first inning, and then things go cold for Tech. The side is struck out in the second, basically struck out again in the third. There's a really nice play to make a catch for an out against Dylan Carter as he leads off the third. That kind of changed the complexion of that inning. Noisy's able to work a walk and get his way around to third after a Brian Klein single, but nobody can get him home. Finally in the fifth, it had been tied up 1-1 in the bottom of the fourth, Florida State able to scratch three runs across, and it's just kind of a long inning for Tech. They finally get out of that one. There's an E1 that's included in there as well that's frustrating that ends up as a part of scoring some runs for the Seminoles. So Tech then facing a 4-1 deficit, and they come into the fifth inning. Cal Conley pops up to first base, the first out, and then Dylan Carter reaches on an E6. Drew Baker then strikes out looking as the second out of that at bat. And and I'm not saying that to take a shot at Drew Baker. The home plate umpire on the Saturday game, you could see how much he loved ringing up batters. He carried himself with a swagger. He liked throwing his own ball back to the pitcher. And he loved ringing up batters, especially on low stuff, a little bit below the knees. And he got several Red Raiders on pitches like that. It wasn't just Drew Baker. Dylan Noisy works a two-out walk. You end up with Dylan Carter stealing a base, and then he's moved around to third on an E2. So you have a couple of errors in that inning that finally get runners in scoring position. Brian Klein works a following two-out walk, and then after a pitch and change, it's Cole Stilwell dropping the bomb with a two-run RBI double to right field. So ultimately, you scratch three across, so you come into the inning down 4-1, to one, and you leave the inning tied up. So fantastic job by Texas Tech coming into the fifth and really responding. They hold them to nothing. Florida State takes the lead again, 5-4, in the bottom of the sixth. There's a leadoff single by Cooper Swanson, and he's brought around the following batter with a double to right field, and it's an RBI for Tyler Martin, the son of Mike Martin Jr., grandson of Mike Martin. 
And then you have two scoreless innings there of just pitchers' dual baseball going back and forth. And finally in the ninth, things get a little wild. Dylan Carter leads off of the ground out to second base, and Drew Baker walks up after he struck out his first three at-bats of the game. He'd had a single in the seventh, started to figure things out a little bit, and had an idea of what this pitcher may be trying on him. Drew Baker walks up in the ninth, and he absolutely blasts a home run over the right field monster at Dick Hauser Stadium. And if you can imagine Fenway Park and the size of the monster at Fenway in left field, it's the same thing, only way uglier in right field at Dick Hauser Stadium. And Drew Baker absolutely cleared it. It was a one-run shot that ties the game up in the top of the ninth when Texas Tech's backs against the wall. And then you end up walking your way into extra innings. John McMillan takes the bump in the ninth for the Red Raiders with two outs. He takes over from Micah Dallas. He has a walk and then works a strikeout to get out of that one and you go to extra innings. Nothing doing in the 10th for either team. McMillan strikes out the side in big boy baseball. McMillan was bumping 98. He was really working the off-speed stuff. He was just dropping in just filthy curveballs on these guys. It was really, really fantastic to see what Mac was doing out there. In the top of the 11th, Dylan Carter works a leadoff walk. So Dylan Carter in the 11th works a leadoff walk. And following a strikeout, Dylan Noisy has a single to the left side. He advances to second and then third on a throwing error. It's an E5, and that same E5 scores Dylan Carter unearned. So, So heads up base running, solid hitting, and sloppy play from Florida State ends up scoring the go-ahead run in the 11th inning for the Red Raiders. They can't tack on to it, and they go into the bottom of the 11th. Florida State's in a walk-off opportunity, and Texas Tech has a one-run lead to protect to try to win that game. John McMillan gets the first strikeout looking on Matthew Nelson, the catcher. He gives up a single up the middle to Robbie Martin, follows that with an HBP to Elijah Cabell. So you got runners on first and second. He then fans Reese Albert with a six strikeout of the game. And you come in with Jackson Green. He works the seventh strikeout of his time in the game, but the ball uncharacteristically gets past Braxton Fulford. So Green reaches on the strikeout for the pass ball and bases are loaded. So Carter Smith, the third baseman for Florida State, steps in, bases juiced, 11th inning at home, friendly crowd, top opponent with the opportunity to either walk it off or at the very least scratch a run in and tie it up to force more. And John McMillan gets the fly out to center field, the catch made by Dylan Carter, and the Red Raiders win an absolute nail-biter on the road against a top-10 opponent. It was one hell of a night at the ballpark. It was so much fun to watch. I was home alone. I was kind of batching it this weekend, and I was screaming in my house throughout. It was a great time. It was a great game. I just want to say congratulations to all the Red Raiders for sticking with it. When you look at the comparison for the game, you kind of go back to that Florida Atlantic game, and you had a a game there with Texas Tech where they hit really well. They hit 324 on the game. They really held Florida Atlantic way down. Tech only hit 200 with two outs, but they hit 350 with runners on, 308 runners in scoring position. They looked really nice at the plate. Now then the contrast, and I'm not 
going to rag on Tech from an offensive standpoint, man, Florida State really brought some exceptional pitching to the mound. And they've got guys like C.J. Van Eyck. We know about that. The guys they put out there and Connor Grady, Shane Drowen, Chase Haney, I mean, they had some good arms as well. Nothing to be discounted there for one of the top teams in the ACC. So on Saturday, Tech hit 209 on the day. They hit 250 with two outs, 222 with runners on, only 182 with runners in scoring position. They only hit 182 in the leadoff as well. Definitely things that you don't want to see. You want to see that improve. But even Coach Tadlock said in the pregame on Sunday on the radio, you know, I thought we were giving some stuff away. And I went back and watched and realized these guys were really executing pitches. They were really good pitchers and our guys were just struggling against them that's just how it goes but they scratched across what they needed so you come into the Sunday game with an opportunity to sweep the weekend and you want to do better than you did in 16 In 16 you split the midweek with Florida State this time you want to come in and prove you're the better team and the Red Raiders did that in spades they took the 6-5 lead on Saturday night in 11 innings Red Raiders come into Sunday I thought that they might pick it up a little bit I thought that Florida State might be running out of pitching, but I was wrong. Tech ends up with a 4-3 win. They out-hit them 7-2. Both teams had one error. Tech only left seven aboard to Florida State's eight. It was Austin Becker who got the start on Sunday. Not a bad start, but again, I think he would say not the cleanest start he'd had, and he wanted to do better. He went four and a third innings pitch, two hits, three runs, all earned, four walks and five Ks and 75 pitches. You saw Brostowski come in again. For Becker, he went one and two-thirds of scoreless baseball, one walk, one strikeout in 17. Ryan Sublett looked fantastic in his two innings pitched. It was also scoreless, one walk, three Ks. Sublett really has found his velo, and he was battling out there. And then Andrew Devine with a huge, huge inning of pitching for Tech. Scoreless, no walks, and two Ks exactly when you needed him to do it. So the Red Raiders open the game, they go down in order, and then Cole Stilwell comes up in the second inning and hits a solo shot to left field to open the scoring. Cody Masters, who D8s on Sunday, has a double to right field, and then Jace Young, who's back in the game on Sunday as a starter, he reaches on a wild pitch following a strikeout and works around on errors and is ultimately scored on a Cal Conley ground out a couple of batters later. So you get two across from the home run and then following the double in the second inning, and Tech carries that 2-0 lead all the way until the fifth. As you go along in that game, I have three stars in the book for the Red Raider defense. The leadoff batter of the game, Tyler Martin, he hits a little pop-up over to shortstop, but it was really a high-line drive. Cal Conley goes full extension off his feet, makes a fantastic circus catch to rob Tyler Martin of a hit. Later in the second, the third out of the second to end that one, it's another great Brian Klein ground-out play with a shot to Cole Stillwell right where you need it to be. And credit to Stillwell, especially on Saturday, he was stretching all over the place for balls, getting them up the line and applying the tag on the runner, really showing what he can do at first base. It was good stuff. And then Reese Albert, the final out of the third inning, I had another star in the book for a fly out to left field. That was Dylan Carter. He's backing up to the wall. It wouldn't have been a home run, but it definitely would have been a double if Carter hadn't got a hold of this thing. He makes the catch and holds on as he slams into the wall backwards. Really, really nice play by him and a good job 
out there for the freshmen. So Florida State starts the fifth with their leadoff man, Tyler Martin, in the one hole as their leadoff in the inning. He leads off with a single to left field. Follow that, the catcher, Matthew Nelson, with a hit-by-pitch and then a strikeout on Robbie Martin. And then Elijah Cabell, who looks like Billy from Stranger Things. If you were following along on Twitter, I rode that joke all the way to the end, every gif I could find. He hits a three-run bomb over that right field monster as well and puts the Seminoles on top 3-2 to two in the bottom of the fifth. Nothing doing once again for a couple of innings. Tech starts to get some hits. Brian Klein leads off in the sixth with a single to right. Cole Stillwell works a walk, and then both men hang on and end up getting stranded as the next three batters go down in order. But leading off the seventh, this time it's the shortstop Cal Conley, the transfer in from Miami, who hits the solo shot over center field, and Cal Conley tacks one on the go-ahead run for Texas Tech. In the eighth, Brian Klein with a leadoff double to left field this time, and he will be brought in by Cody Masters on a sack fly to center field, which honestly should not have scored a run, but the throw was so god-awful coming in from center field that Brian Klein scored easily. So after the Conley home run in the seventh, the Klein run in the eighth, the Red Raiders have a 4-3 lead going into the ninth inning. And who comes out for Texas Tech but Andrew Devine, the freshman from Simi Valley, California, comes out for Tech. We've seen him do some nice things. Three California right-handers came to campus to try to make this team. Devine's the only one that's left standing. I know that this coaching staff likes him, and, man, they showed how confident they are in him, putting him out in a big situation. He goes out. He gets a strikeout on the nine-hole hitter, Jackson Green. The order turns over. He gets a flyout on the leadoff man, Tyler Martin, and then strikes out Matthew Nelson to win the game. So Andrew Devine gets the save for Tech. Ryan Sublette ends up with the win. He's 1-0 on the season. It was another great day of baseball. Tech won two one-run games back-to-back against a top-10 opponent. I think the Red Raiders are showing the country that they're here and they have something special going on. You can talk about the arms all day long, and they are fantastic, but it's the depth of pitching talent and the willingness to get out there and do it where they need to do it, whenever they need to, however they're asked to help this team win that's so impressive. And you just can't overstate how big they were for this team. So those batting numbers, the comparisons I told you earlier, they didn't really get much better on Sunday except in one big regard. So Tech only hit 226 on Sunday. That was a little bit better than the Saturday game. They hit abysmally with runners on. They went 1 for 14. They hit 0 for 10 with runners in scoring position, but Tech hit a 667 in the leadoff. They were putting runners on, and they hit 375 in advancement opportunities. If they can get into the categories like that, hit well in the leadoff. They didn't have a single man on in the leadoff till late on Saturday. Doing well in some of those situations. You don't have to hit every single category perfectly, but if you can get some consistency and find those lineup tweaks that work the best, that's when things will work out. It was a little bit different look for the Red Raiders on Sunday as well. As Cody Masters gets the start at DH, he was batting in the five hole. Cole Stillwell was cleaning up today. In that four-hole, Jace Young back in the starting lineup. He was replaced by Parker Kelly in the eighth for a defensive substitution. Nate Rombach got the start at catcher. Rombach, you know, there's times he is not 
the best defensive catcher, and he has some growing to do in that regard, but got to give him credit. He was really a backstop today. There was a couple of pitches that could have gone all the way to the back, and Rombach, at one point, he looked like a goalie out there as he slid to his right and caught a bouncing ball with some underhand glove action. Really nicely done to block some balls by him. Braxton Fulford came in for Rombach as a defensive sub in the eighth as well, and they had Cal Conley and Dylan Carter rounding out the lineup. So a little bit of a different look and one of my favorite things about Tim Tadlock and this coaching staff, they will experiment and look for ways to make this lineup work until they find out exactly what it is. Let me give you some awards really quick. When you talk about like a player of the weekend, player of the series, I've got two for you. I'm going to talk about Cole Stillwell. Cole Stillwell, there's probably an argument to be made for MVP of the early season. Stillwell went three for eight this weekend with two doubles, four RBI, two runs scored, three walks, and he had a hit by pitch. He batted 375 this weekend. On the season, he's slashing 323, 475, and 645. Outside of Nate Rombach, who got inflated with all the home runs in the first weekend, Cole Stillwell is one of the better hitters on this team, certainly on base more than most. Brian Klein also, I'm going to give him that award as well. The senior leader, 5 for 12, a double, an RBI, two runs scored, two walks. He hit a 417 this weekend. He was nails defensively. Really nice job, as was Stillwell. On the season, Klein is slashing 372, 471, and 558. You know, I know there's been people over the years that have kind of questioned Brian Klein. He's Mr. Reliable. I mean, he is out there. He's getting hits. He's getting big hits when you need them. His approach doesn't change. He's unflappable. His defense is solid. You can count on the guy. You know, I think one of the few things I've ever agreed with the 11.7 podcast guys on is they called Brian Klein a dirtbag. And I can't help but agree. I mean, the guy loves playing baseball. He's back doing it his senior year. I just love having him on this team. If you want to look at a pitcher of the weekend, I've got two for you there as well. The relievers as a whole have got to be on that list. They had 15 and two-thirds innings pitch. They allowed four hits, one run, five walks, and 20 four strikeouts from your relief pitching. You want to compare that to the starters? They went 13 and a third, nine hits, eight runs. Six of them earned seven walks, 19 Ks. Now I know they're in a different situation. They've got a little bit different to work with. Beater had a better line, a couple other guys a little bit more struggle, but whatever, as a group, your relievers are really carrying some things right now, and the starters will continue to come on. You hear Coach Tadlock talk about that. These pitchers are only going to get better. They're only going to get more used to the workload. They're going to continue to get mentally better. They're physically going to get better as they roll along, and that's just exciting to think about. But when you think about the pitchers of the weekend as a starter, I got to go Clayton Beater, five innings pitched of no hit baseball, one run, it's not earned, no walks, and seven Ks. And then you got to give John McMillan an award. And just absolute nails in a pressure cooker situation. He's unflappable. You can just see how much growth and maturity he's gotten on him over the years. Unbelievable what he did on Saturday night for Tech and what he's doing for this team as a leader in general. Got to give him a shout-out once again. 
So now the Red Raiders will turn their attention as they come back home to the friendly confines of Dan Law Field at Rip Griffin Park. They will be facing the UNLV Running Rebels in a two-game series on Tuesday and Wednesday. The Tuesday game will be at 6.30 p.m., the Wednesday game at 2 p.m. Both will be on the Texas Tech Sports Network on radio and at texastech.tv. UNLV, a team that doesn't have a lot of baseball success, certainly this season, they're 3-8 and eight right now. They lost three of their four opening weekend games to the Central Michigan Chippewas, who they were hosting in Las Vegas. They actually got blanked in one of those. They lost 9-12, 8-12, and they won the final game 10-8. They also were swept by Alabama. Now, I know you're thinking, ooh, SEC team. Well, Alabama generally is not very good at baseball. They are undefeated this season, but I would also argue that UNLV is probably the only quality opponent they've played, so that doesn't say a whole lot. But they got shut out by Alabama in that first game and lost the next two pretty handily as well. They lost a midweek to UC Riverside on the road, and then they did win a weekend series hosting Creighton. They won the first game 6-4, lost the second in 11 innings, 4-3, and won the final game 12-3. So Creighton, not a bad opponent. There's there's some positivity there, at least as far as that series goes for UNLV. I wouldn't expect a huge matchup issue for the Red Raiders in this midweek, but as always, you don't want the midweek wake-up call, the midweek surprise. You want Tech to come in and take care of business. The way Coach Tadlock said it after Round Rock I thought was interesting. He talked about it in his Monday show, that he thought that Tuesday game against Southern would come really fast. And I think that's interesting, and it'll be even more poignant this week as Tech's having to fly back from Tallahassee. You know, you come back, you've been on the road for several days, you got to get back in the groove of class and going back to work, as it were, as far as baseball goes, getting your workouts in, taking care of yourself, getting your rest, eating right, all that stuff has to stay true. I was just gone from home for a week for work travel, and I'm telling you, I just got to think about getting back to work tomorrow and trying to figure out how to go back to doing what I normally do on a daily basis. So, They definitely will need to come back in and get back to work. I think it's a team that can do it. They have the right leaders, but that's something that you definitely don't want them overlooking the running Rebels of UNLV. Some takeaways for this team so far. I think that at the moment, I could make an argument that Clayton Beater is your ace. He's certainly your Friday night starter. He has solidified himself into that role, and he is going out there and not having a ton of struggles. He really showed out strong against FAU on Friday night. John McMillan was nails. We talked about that a couple of times now, and I can't overstate what a pressure cooker that was and what a great job he did out there. Even when there was miscues, when there's an HBP, when there's a walk, totally unflappable. I think Andrew Devine is going to be a star for this team, and I'm glad that he's a freshman and is going to be around a little bit because this is a kid that could really become something special you know, and be mentioned along with, with other guys you've had before that have done great things, including Stephen Gingery. On Saturday, I saw something that I don't recall seeing before. Not that I've watched as much baseball as others, but I've never seen two teams combine in a game for 38 strikeouts. Both of these teams had 19 Ks on Saturday, and I know it went to extras. You were pretty close to those numbers even within nine innings. It was really something to see and something special. And the last thing I want to leave you with, 
there's a Gabe Holt Silent Red Raider Award that I like to give sometimes. Somebody that puts down their head and does big things and set up, sets others up, and maybe you're not seeing quite as much on the stat column, but they're doing good things. And I want to give that one to Dylan Noisy. Noisy went four for 13 this weekend. He had a double, two runs scored, and two walks. Hit 308 on the weekend. Certainly nothing to sneeze at, but not as big as some of the other numbers. But he's slashing a 447, 509, and 596 on the season. And I want to tell you something I just noticed. Nate Rombach is your RBI leader, stemming all the way back to opening weekend. He's got 20 RBI. But when you look down this stat line, Dylan Noisy, Cole Stilwell, Cal Conley, and Jace Young have 11, 12, 13, and 14 RBI, respectively. Those four guys have been fantastic at the plate for you. The season is early, and I think we also forget in baseball that you remember strikeouts more until there's more and more stacked up. All of a sudden, it doesn't seem so bad, but you notice them a little bit more right now when the body of work isn't quite as big. But those guys have been doing good stuff out there, lots of extra base hits for this team, and you're about to face a UNLV team that's hit one home run on the season and given up eight to their opponent. So you may see some big numbers in the midweek, and you also are going to see a team that doesn't enjoy some of the slugging and extra base hits that Red Raider fans do get to enjoy on a daily basis from this exceptional group. So I hope you get to keep enjoying some baseball, folks. I appreciate all the support of Dinger Derby. Follow me at Dinger underscore Derby at Twitter. Dinger Derby has a Facebook page. You can follow me on Instagram at TTU underscore Dinger Derby. I'll be back in your feed on Thursday morning, recapping this midweek against UNLV and previewing the Rice Owls coming to town, rekindling the old Southwest Conference rivalry. I believe the first time the Rice Owls have been here since they came into Lubbock and ran away with a regional championship from the Red Raiders back in the late 90s. Should be a fun time of baseball this week, as it always is. Looking forward to more, looking forward to talking to you about it more and interacting with more of you. I hope I get to see you around the ballpark. Enjoy the week. Enjoy some baseball. And until I see you next time, wreck them. Thanks for tuning in to Dinger Derby and sharing our love for Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. You can connect with Keith on Twitter at Dinger underscore Derby and find more Texas Tech sports content at stakingtheplains.com. Help us out by rating us and leaving a review on iTunes. And remember to tell your friends about the show. Keith will be back next week with another episode of Dinger Derby. And until then, wreck of tech. Keep your hand on your gun. Don't you trust anyone. There's just one kind of man that you can trust. That's a dead man or a gringo like me. Be the first one to fire Every man is a liar There's just one kind of man who tells the truth That's a dead man or a gringo like me